Hi there, I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. Yeah, and today we have a special episode. Last two episodes we talked about big franchises, and this time we're going to do something a little bit different. Yeah, we're going to talk about misunderstood characters from three different animated films. The Beast from Beauty and the Beast, Shrek from Shrek, and Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, so we'll be getting into their backgrounds as characters and why they're misunderstood and how they overcame those misunderstandings. But before we get started on that, we have a trivia question to answer. So last week we asked the question, in the early 1970s, Scooby-Doo had a crossover special with another famous spooky animated franchise. What was the name of that franchise? Da-da-da-da! The Addams Family. <laughs> it was when that Mystery Inc. They go on a mystery in the Addams Family Mansion from one of the early episodes in the 1970s because Hanna-Barbera also produced a cartoon at the time based on the Addams Family. Yeah, and they, they had crossovers with a few of their uh, other franchises. I think they did one with the Jetsons. They did one with Josie and the Pussycats. Things like that. And it's interesting because... the. Because while well, recently there was a new Scooby-Doo movie and there was new Adams Family movie back this October. Yeah, so both of those things are seeing a comeback, so to speak, I suppose. Yep. All right. And while we're here, let's do another segment we haven't done in a while called Famous Voices. Well, here's another nice mess you've gotten me into. Houston, we have a problem. You're going to need a bigger boat. Toto? We're not in Kansas anymore. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. There's no place like home. Sawyer, you're going out a youngster, but you've got to come back a star. Hmm. Excuse me, old lady coming through. Well, you didn't actually think you got your fighting skills from your father, did you? Um, Julie Andrews, who's a legendary award-winning actress, who's been in famous for classic movies such as Sound of Music and Mary Poppins, voiced Queen Lillian, the queen, Fiona's mother, from in the second and third and fourth Shrek films. But that's not the only animated voice she did. She also voiced Gru's mother in the Despicable Me franchise as well. So she's... Obviously very famous for, for musicals from back in the day, The Sound of Music. And Mary Poppins also. Yeah, and um, it's very cool to see see such a famous actress uh, lend her talents to, to animated films. I agree, and especially in popular animated comedies like those. All right, so I guess it's uh, time for our feature presentation. So, before we get started talking about any of these characters, could you explain what do we mean by misunderstood characters? At first, they seem kind of mean and kind of scary and terrifying at the start when we first see them. And, and certainly other characters in the movies see them as terrifying or mean or cruel or whatever the case might be. Yeah, I know. But later they revealed that they're actually nice and they're really good and deep down inside they have a heart and it's always interesting to watch 
how exactly they move from one place to the other, because in a lot of cases, and in a couple of movies we're going to be talking about, these characters sort of believe what others believe about them. So, like, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the Beast, in his case, he sees himself as a beast. And he, you know, he's treated as a beast by the villagers, but in some ways he also sees himself as a beast. And he, so he acts that way. He sort of, in turn, becomes more cruel and more scary because that's what other people believe about him. But the thing is, he was really a prince who was, who was cursed because of his selfishness a long time ago. Let's go ahead and jump into it. So with the Beast, uh, could you just tell us a little bit, what is his character, how are we first introduced to him? In the beginning, in the film's introduction, there's a prince, although he has whatever his heart desires, he's very selfish and unkind to others. Yeah, so an old lady comes to visit his castle asking for help, and he basically refuses it. And refu- rejects the enchanted rose. Then his his big punishment is that he's turned into a beast, and all of his servants become household objects, and he'll have to wait till his 21st birthday, if, if he finds true love, to turn back into a prince, and the spell will be broken. But if he fails, then he'll be a beast forever. How would you characterize him in his beast form? What is he like as a character? Hairy looking, all brown, kind of harsh at first. Very harsh when Belle first meets the beast. Yeah, it's it's almost plays like a horror film, right? Because he's like kind of lurking in the background and he and he and he's like a monster. I know. But what we learn about Belle is that, well, first of all, she's the most intelligent person in her village, and she's not as inclined to judge a person based on their appearances. Yeah, I know, because at first the beast is kind of mean, and, and he forbids Belle not to go into one room in the castle, the West Wing, with the Enchanted Rose. So how how do we get through the process of he's a misunderstood character because he acts beastly, he looks literally like a beast. How do we come to understand that, in fact, that's not what his true self is? Belle learns later, deep down inside, he has a heart, and the beast and Belle fall in love, and then the beast discovers that Belle is the perfect one to break the spell. But how does Belle learn that the Beast is actually not beastly in nature? During the song, during the number, something there, when Belle discovers that the Beast is not as mean as as she thought he was. He was very harsh to her. He forced her to come to dinner when she didn't want to. And he forced her to stay in the castle forever and separate her from her father. Right, but what actions does he do that makes her think that actually he's... He's a nice person. He becomes kind and gentle and sweet and generous. I remember there's that scene where they're like playing in the snow and they're having a snowball fight. (laughs) Yes, and the beast becomes really generous to Belle when he gives her a special surprise, which is her own library. Right, yeah. We see how Belle kind of chips away at this, this gruff exterior of his, both literally and figuratively and get to the kind person inside. And that sort of leads to the climax of the film when 
the villagers storm the castle, intending to kill the beast, and Bell is actually trying to protect him. And prove to everyone that he's not as mean as he looks. So as you said before, she does help break the spell, and turns out he's a beautiful prince, and he's learned his lesson, and he's kind and generous, and everyone lives happily ever after. And all of his servants who are enchanted objects become turned back into humans at the end. Yeah, so I think it's very, very uh, straightforward lesson of just, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Also, like, for instance, Belle learns that adventures can be more than just books. And the Beast, who was actually a prince, learns to love one another, and he eventually finds love in return to break the spell. Actually, I think that's a good point that you bring up about Belle, because one thing that these movies show is that in forming a connection to misunderstood characters, we also often learn something about ourselves and learn a lesson from that about ourselves. And I think that's a valuable thing to to recognize, is that it's not just that the misunderstood character, in this case the Beast, is reforming himself and becoming a better person, but everyone else around him, as they come to understand him and who he really is, they also become better. They learn a lesson about what it means to look beyond just a person's appearance and, and to sort of find the good in everybody. I know. And on a similar note to that, there's Shrek. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. I think Shrek also embodies a lot of those same lessons. But tell us about who Shrek is, Ezra. He's an ogre. He's big and he has green skin. He lives in a swamp. He lives alone in a swamp, which is the way he likes it. At first, I know. And then... And everyone thinks of Shrek as a terrifying ogre, and also kind of scary looking because of the way he looks, and he has, and his skin's all green. And then I know he meets Donkey, who, which, who, when he first meets Donkey, he finds him very talkative and kind of annoying. <laughs> he doesn't really want Donkey around at the start, at first, but then Shrek discovers thousands of fairy tale creatures were dumped into Shrek's <laughs> swamp by an evil bachelor prince named Lord Farquaad, who's the ruler of a kingdom not too far away called Duloc. Yeah, and I think that a point to emphasize is that with Shrek, he he just wants to be left completely alone to the point that he'll turn away helping people out. I know. Then he makes a deal with the evil Farquaad in order to get his, to get his swamp back. He makes it to get go rescue the Princess Fiona, who's been locked up in a tower guarded by a dragon for a long time what he learns through like his friendship with with donkey and interacting with others and then later his uh connection with fiona when he rescues her from the dragon right is that he starts to open up and he starts to allow himself to form connections allow no. himself to have some companions and because i think he has this idea you know he talks about earlier in the film that like he's an ogre you know oh this is how ogres act this is how ogres behave he makes the comparison ogres are like onions and and you see that early challenge from donkey who's saying like well why why can't you be like a cake you know cakes are are yummy <laughs> i get it because onions not everyone likes and i get it 
I also know when he rescues Fiona, it's not your typical Prince Charming kind of rescue from a dragon. Yeah, it's playing on a lot of the tropes of the genre of of these fantasy stories. And it, (laughs) yeah, and it's really examining, well, what does it mean to be an ogre? What does it mean to be a hero? An ogre, like somebody terrifying and scary, a hero who helps people. Right, but I think what the movie shows is that those terms are not, you know, mutually exclusive from each other. They An ogre can be a hero, and there's no reason why he can't be a hero. And then, and then you also have, you kind of have a misunderstood character with Princess Fiona, because everyone thinks that she's this beautiful human princess. But it's revealed at nighttime that she turns into an ogress because when she was a little girl, she was cursed. And she also thinks that, you know, she's not beautiful and that she she's a monster, too. And what she comes to realize at the end is that, well, to Shrek, she's beautiful. To Shrek, she's not a monster. Yeah, I know. And no green skin or not, even if she has green skin, she can she's beautiful on the out on the inside. Yeah, I think it's it's really expanding on that idea of like it really what matters most is is on the inside. And I think that in the end, you know, Shrek proves himself to be heroic. He proves himself to be kind and generous. I know. And he learns a lot. And also he and Donkey later become best friends. And then they defeat the evil Farquaad who only wanted to become king. That's all he cared about. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a nice breakdown of the common tropes. And I mean, obviously, Shrek is parodying a lot of different things. And, and But I think that's a really valuable lesson coming out of, of that movie is just seeing that like, hey, just because of who you are doesn't define you, you know? Yeah, like Shrek falls in love with Fiona and, and also Donkey falls in love with Dragon, who at first was scary. <laughs> But Dragon was later kind, and she was helpful, too. Right, yeah, I, I love that. It's very funny. I know, Shrek movies are really funny and clever and hilarious. Speaking of funny, clever, and hilarious, let's talk about Lilo and Stitch. So Stitch, as we know, Lilo and Stitch was released in the summer of 2002, and I remember seeing it when it first came out when I was very young. And so how is Stitch a misunderstood character? He's an alien, I know, who's created as an experiment, but he has, has have suffered a lot of glitches that caused him to destroy and wreck and damage things. He was, he was initially designed, I think, to be a weapon, to basically be this genetically modified soldier. And he was created by a scientist named Jumba. But uh, Stitch ends up on Earth, landing in Hawaii, and he gets found by a little girl named Leo. Lilo, Lilo, I know. Excuse me. Who's a little orphan girl who lives with her older sister, Nanny. And initially they thought that he was <laughs> a, dog. a dog. All of our dogs are adoptable. Except that one! <gasps> what is that thing? A dog, I think. But it was dead this morning. It was dead this morning? When we thought it was dead, it was hit by a truck. I like him. Come here, boy. Milo found that strange-looking creature at the pound. So it's almost kind of like an inverse of of the other two movies that we talked about, where in those cases, we first saw them as beasts or monsters, and then came to realize, oh, actually, it's not so simple. They're, they're actually good people. I know. 
Lilo at first sees how Stitch constantly destroys things, but he doesn't mean any harm. He was just created that way. Right. And, and, you know, Lilo treats him and like teaches him and, and Stitch starts to learn, sort of unlearn these kind of programmed behaviors. In some ways, it's always assumed that actually Stitch was always a good person inside. Yeah. And... I don't know. I think I thought it was interesting just the way it kind of almost worked backwards where we have this baseline assumption that like Stitch is good and it's just working through these tendencies, these behaviors that he has that don't really necessarily reflect the person that he actually is. I know. And he learns Ohana means family. And I know that Jumba, I know who created him at first was was kind of mean, but later he was a lot nicer and he becomes a good friend. And I think that's actually a good point of like, he learns this idea about family and he learns about sort of building up together rather than destroying. And at first Cobra bubble seemed kind of mean, but he was just doing his job, but he later turns out to be a nice person. So how else do characters change or what do that? What lessons does the movie teach? Ohana means family. You can be a good family friend no matter what you look like or no matter where you came from. Yeah, or no matter what people expect you to be. Yeah, I know. That's a good. Those are good lessons that Stitch learns and Lilo also learns. And again, it's about it's about companionship and sticking with each other. I think that's a big yeah. part of it too. Yeah, it's a good moral. Good morals it has. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So these are. Three different characters, all mis- misunderstood and in some ways similar, some ways different. What are some similarities between all three of these characters? Um, we think they are mean, but it later turns out they're nice later and they have a heart and they become heroes. They're unlikely hero kind of characters. Don't judge a book by its cover kind of morals. And I think that's a more than ever. I think that's a valuable lesson for, for everyone to yeah. remember. I agree. Okay, so those were some misunderstood characters. We would love to hear what misunderstood characters do you remember seeing in movies? We would love to hear from you. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon.com at Patreon.com slash Animation and Beyond. If you do, you will find exclusive content, so be sure to check it out. In the meantime, we have a trivia question to give you. The late David Ogden Steers were in two of these movies we talked about in our podcast. He was in... Beauty and the Beast, as well as in Lilo and Stitch. And what characters did he voice? All right. So if you know the answer, give us a shout on Facebook or send us an email at animationandbeyond at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you answer correctly, you will get a shout out on the next episode. See you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye. See you later.